Hey friends, this is Andy Jenkins. I'm actually here with my friend Rock Hobbs, who is the founder. What is your official title here? I'd say uh, they put a lot of things to that: founder, pastor, teacher, counselor. It, it's kind of, it's that, that title's kind of the executive director. I wasn't going to say the junk drawer because that's that has a yeah. kind of a negative connotation, but it's it's like everything. Here. It's really the executive director, but I mean, I was the founder and I am a pastor, so I say. My, my business card actually just says Pastor, Friend, Encourager. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Pastor, Friend, Encourager here at Transformation Ministries. And this is really the first ever episode of an official podcast where we are going to come on here and we're going to talk to you, our listener, while you're running, while you're doing the dishes, while you're exercising. Some of you, maybe it's even like a kind of a sleepless night. And you're like, oh, well, I'll just listen to what's going on there. Let rock put you to sleep. <laughs> I've, I've listened, true story. I've listened to myself to put myself to sleep before. I'm like, I don't know if I should tell anybody that or not. But but this is kind of our tribe talk. This is where we're going to yeah. talk about all things Transformation Ministries and the TM School of Ministry. And so I'm so, so honored to have you on here uh, to really, on this first get-go, talk to us about Transformation Ministries. But to get to Transformation Ministries, I mean, a lot of people forget. Uh, they, they don't even know. Like, you're like you're, you're 70. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you've kind of been like a cat, <laughs> nine lives. <laughs> you're probably on life three or four at this point. So some of the past lives include, you know, the growing up life and then the fighter pilot life and then the... Uh, commercial airliner life, and then another ministry life, and then this. So in order to talk really about transformation ministries and the why and the, and the what, we, we kind of got to talk about rock yeah. and, and how we even got here. Because yeah. we're in the unique position where a lot of ministries can't just go to the founder, CEO, head honcho, pastor, lead encourager, and, which is, is really your gift, uh, I, I think. There's all this wisdom and this insight, but you really breathe life into people and make them come alive. A lot of people don't have that advantage of going to the founder and saying, hey, just tell us how we got here. Yeah. So tell us, like, take us back to your story. Like, go back as far as you want to go. This is this is the, the, the outline of my book that I'm going to write one day called From Cock- Cockpit to Pulpit. Okay. And, um, I... I got saved when I was 12 years old, grew up in the church, Baptist church uh, family, and I got saved by a missionary from Ethiopia, came to, back to the States to you know get money or get them, raise their money. Yeah, and, and they back, travel back. And they go back. And he said, I remember him profoundly saying, we need missionaries, we need doctors, we need um, medical supplies, uh, and we need pilots that can fly the supplies into the remote areas of the of Ethiopia, and I just committed at age twelve and saying I'm going to be a missionary pilot doctor. So you locked onto the, the whole fly the whole it. thing. Yeah. The, the pilot, I'll fly. I'll be a doctor, and I'll be a missionary. I'll bring both healing from physical to healing for the spiritual. And as I got into seventh grade, started taking Latin, some classes. I realized, okay, doctor part's not in there. And then by the time I got to my junior year, I heard about fighter jets and airplanes, and I was in Civil Air Patrol, and I went. Okay, I don't know about the missionary part right yet. First, I think I want to go fly jets in the Air Force. I want to go to the Air Force Academy. And so that became my 
my big goal. Uh, I never was able to get an, into the Air Force Academy, but I got ROTC scholarships, went to regular college, and uh, went in the Air Force. Uh, got into pilot training right off the bat, and uh, married a missionary from the Philippines. And that marriage, I was only 20 years old, uh, didn't really work out. I, I rushed it. I made a lot of spiritual mistakes, early zealous thinking, my plan, not God's plan, that kind yeah. of thing. Anyway, got a divorce. And in that divorce, after seven years, I did get one good, great thing out of that. That was my son, John. I had one, one child out of that, and he's one of my best friends now here living in Birmingham. But uh, I, I got mad at God, you know, and I think there's a lot of people sometimes that get earned in life by things. It could be a church or a job or just by other people or parents or even a spouse. And sometimes we turn and put the blame on God. We question God. We get mad at God. We kind of hold him hostage to our expectations of how he should perform. Yeah. And why, how could you do this to me? Or how could you let this happen? Or all those kinds of things. And I think my, in my story, I always go, man, God, if you would, if you just would have let me marry the right person the first time. And I've been married to her all this time. By this time in my life, I could be like Billy Graham. But instead I went and became an alcoholic and did all these things. And my life was all a mess. And, and it took me a while to get back to you, Father. I said, if you would have just given me the right one, you know. And I kept putting it on him. Yeah. And um, fast forward way down in the story, the Lord gave me a revelation and showed me that four men had come to me. The Lord had sent four different men that I loved and, uh, and honored to tell me they not to marry that woman. When you were? When I was 20. Yeah. And said, we love her and we love you, but don't marry her. This just isn't the right fit. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't listen. I was, I knew, God, I've been fasting. I'm, this is the right one. I'm doing it, you know. And, well, when you're and, 20, you know everything. That's right. I mean, that's we got exactly kids that are right. 21, yeah. you know, and yeah. 22, and they know, I, I knew everything too when I was that old. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so, your parents don't know anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've had, I spent my whole lifetime showing my, my four kids that we know way more than they know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but now, they went, they followed my steps and their thinking. Well, well, now, like in my 40s, you know, I, I'm thinking, like, Oh my goodness! Like my dad was is brilliant, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like you don't see it till it's too late. Yeah. But exactly. okay, so you you mentioned a lot of hurt there, mm-hmm. um, post divorce. So anger with God. You mentioned some drinking. You mentioned yeah. So I went in the Air Force, and uh, one of the things that happened to me when I didn't get into the Air Force Academy, and it's something that I teach about, and it's we're not going to get into the teaching on it, but I, I developed an orphan heart where I abdicated sonship from my parents because they wouldn't help me go to the academy. And they actually laughed at me the day I got the letter from the academy telling me I was denied going. And at that point, I was about a junior in high school, and I said, I don't need you. Oh, they laughed. They laughed. And no I, sympathy. I was weeping that I didn't get I was so sad that I didn't yeah. get in. And I had spent two years on my own taking a train from the suburbs down to downtown Philadelphia, finding the VA, taking the testings, doing all the physicals on my own. And, uh, you know, anyway, so that orphan heart leaves you feeling like you're alone and you have to take care of yourself. You're going to have to provide for yourself, very self-assured. So the problem with that is it's pushed by shame. I'm not good enough. And so one of the things that happens when you have some shame in your life about whatever, in, you know, a lot of different things you can have, but you have to perform. You, want, you have, to be, have to prove yourself. So I had to be the best. So for me, when I went in the Air Force, the military is a great way to, to get uh, 
pats on the back and medals and oh, awards all and all. It's all about achievement. So I was thriving. And then when I got to be a fighter pilot, I wanted to be Top Gun. And, you know, the funny thing is, in God's timing and the whole story of me getting to be winning the Top Gun thing at, at uh, McDill Air Force Base back in 1988. Oh, you literally won an award. Yeah, I won the Top Gun t- tournament for the Air Force. And Top Gun's a Navy thing, but the Air Force has a Top Gun Yeah, too. so you're right. Everybody's familiar um, with the Top Gun from Maverick and right, right, you know, right. the Top Gun movie. But, but when that movie came out, I won Top Gun at the in Florida at McDill a week before the movie came out. So talk about a big head. I mean, I was like this guy, and everyone's talking about Top Guns from the movie, and, and then they find out, oh, you were a Top Oh, you are the Top, top Gun. gun yeah. And I'm doing Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, just like Tom Cruise. Yeah, pumped up chest. Yeah. I've seen a, video, a yeah. picture of you up there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you nice looking guy right there. I was there. a stud back then, you know. It's funny what age does to you, but uh, anyway, so I was a fighter pilot, and it, when I turned away from the Lord, I never, I never denounced him, I never said any, I'm not a Christian anymore. I never went uh, into another religion or anything like that. I just stopped paying attention to God. But don't you find out that's kind of what most people do? Is we don't just rebel in the sense of, oh, well, I'm just going to stop believing this. Or, oh, I'm just going to... Like we... It's just kind of you just... We turn our back. We yeah, just you just kind of drift or And I said, I'm going to... As a teenager growing up, I was the in the church, in young life, didn't, didn't swear, didn't drink, didn't smoke... <laughs> I was in church all the time. I love the Lord. And so now I'm in the Air Force. I'm mad at God. I got a divorce. In my mind, I'm never going to be in the ministry because back then, in those days, if you were divorced, you couldn't be a pastor uh, because right. of the way they interpreted the scripture. And so I just, I'm going to find out what the world, what did I miss? And boy, did I ever go the other way. I was like Peter. Peter was a rough neck fisherman with all the crudeness of the world. And, and on that extreme, and then Jesus changed his life, and he became, you know, Apostle Peter. But uh, for me, I went to, I went from being the straight lace to, whoo, light my hair on fire. Come on, let's go. And in that, I started drinking. And in my drinking, uh, over the course of time, I, I really did become an alcoholic. And uh, I did 21 years in the Air Force, very successful, retired as lieutenant colonel, uh, was in the first Gulf War on the battle staff, and... Um, at Langley, and then I retired, went right into United Airlines, and um, was very successful there. I was an instructor pilot at the training center in Denver, and then I flew just about every airplane they have other than the 737, but was rated in the 727, the 747, 757, 767. You know, you know when you say all those numbers, we're just, like, everybody that's yeah. listening to me, we're going, oh, okay, okay, yeah, like, we're acting like we know what you're talking about, but it's just... Well, the, the 747 is the plane. big one that's that has, the, okay, has the four engines and goes around the world and has the big hump on it. It's the biggest airplane um, that we had until um, the 787 stuff came out, but, I mean, it was the huge 350 people airplane yeah and i flew that on the pacific rim out of chicago and it was it was fun i just was still amazed that that big of an airplane can even get get off the, off ground. the ground my first walk around i went this thing is going to get airborne but um to just give you a, a, a perspective when you fill up a, a 747 with gas for one of its trips of uh, of the week it takes sixty thousand gallons that's an olympic swimming pool of fuel on every trip for for okay that's what i say for how many miles from, from chicago to hong kong it's okay 16 hours so halfway around 14, the world. halfway around well yeah halfway around the world we got to go over Russia. Cool. it was 
I had a funny story about Russia too because um, the the first trip I flew on it going over Russia, I had to talk to you have to give reports where you're at because they're out you're out of radar contact. All right. So I'm reporting in for my first report to the Russians and the Miss Russia had just won the Miss Universe pageant the week before on TV, big okay. national thing. And so I'm being smart instead of there's a format and you just say the format and you fill in the numbers and the times and all that but i started talking to the guy like i knew him and i said hey i just want to congratulate you for winning miss universe in the in the world competition with your beauty the beautiful woman from russia and there's a pause and he stopped talking to me and the, my the captain hits me in the arm and says what are you doing there you're gonna get them mad they're gonna start launching migs up here or something because we're flying through their airspace and you just insulted him and, I, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. I didn't. I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to, you know, talk to him. Yeah. And so there's a long, long pause. And finally, the guy comes back on and in broken English goes, thank you for congratulating me on Miss Universe in Russia. You know, <laughs> so what he had to do is he had to run downstairs, have the guy, the interpreter, translate the tape of what I had said, tell him what I said, and then tell him what to say back to me, come back upstairs, and then tell That's him. That's a long, <laughs> tense pause. Oh, man, I thought we were going to be in, I was in so much trouble. But anyway, uh, so I did the airlines, and in the airline time, and I'm not proud of it, but uh, I, I got in trouble, and I ended up having to um, go to rehab. And I spent time in rehab, and there's another whole story to that. But in the rehab, God really connected back with me, touched my heart, called me back into his arms. And uh, by the time I came home from there, um, I thought I was going to, my wife was leaving me. I thought United was going to fire me because of all the issues and stuff. But I knew one thing, I was at least back on track with God. And in the gist of the story from another conversation we can have, um, my uh, my marriage survived. I've been married to Vicky now for 38 years, and she's my best friend, and I love her to death. Can't imagine life without her. Uh, and I didn't lose my job at United. And matter of fact, God moved me and elevated me up higher in United and farther than I was before. After I got back on you know track and sober and all that kind of stuff. And so in that time frame, God called me to come, to leave and quit. Which so meant, while you're getting promoted. Yeah, he, I'm at the top of my game. I, I have potential for lots of more income uh, and responsibility. And God said, I'm, I'm, would you be willing to give it all up now that I've given it back to you and go do something for me? And my really spiritual and pious answer at the time was, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. If I quit now, I lose my retirement. I lose all my vested. I lose everything. I lose that income. I said, let me. Go till I can retire. And this is a commercial airline this is pilot. Commercial. Yes. Hey, this is yes. not, this you know, is... you're not the stewardess no, or the no, bad no. boy. This is lots of money. We built a mansion in Denver. I mean, it was, we were in the high life of my career. And um, and I didn't. I said, let me f- retire. And then I'll do and go and whatever you want me to do, Lord. And I can fly for free. And I'll have all this money. And the benefit of free flights. Right, yeah. yes. And the Lord said, no, I need, would you be willing to go now? Would you quit? Would you give it all up now? And it took about a month of me arguing with him. And finally, I just, one day, I just remember my little office in my house. I just started weeping. I said, okay, God, I give up. I mean, I actually started reading Leviticus because you can't have God talk to you if you're reading Leviticus. <laughs> I mean, he begat this and they begat that. And they, they begat, a lot of people would say you can't even <laughs> just read Leviticus. Yeah, I know, I know. So, I mean, I was trying not to hear from God say, will you give it up for me? 
But anyway, uh, I finally broke. I said, I'll do whatever you ask. He said, okay, now tell your wife this morning that you're going to quit United. You're going to put your house up for sale, and you're going to go somewhere to do something that I'm going to tell you later once you sell your house. Because this, in theory, would be like, I mean, we're talking about what you, uh, you know, okay, 11, what you years up, into, but, 11 years into United, I would give her, up retirement she, and everything. But, but and you, I mean, we need to, like, highlight her story right there, too, because, I mean, she'd walk with you through... Right. Not sober. Now you're sober. She's living in a nice house. With her best her friends, life is finally working best out. Best schools. Yeah, everything's everything for, for her, her is too. perfect and wonderful, and she's happy. And now I'm saying, will you, will you sell the house? And when I told her that, she looked me in the eye and said, you started drinking again last night, didn't you? She says, we can't, we can't quit United. We can't sell our house, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I've been telling God that too. But he said, no, will you go now? And so anyway, um, the Holy Spirit talked to her. And uh, it took about a couple months of just talking about it. I didn't do anything until she was in agreement with me. But um, she finally came to me one day and said, are you sure that the Lord's asking you to quit and that that's what you want, that he wants you to do? And I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure. She said, I'm in then. Man, I appreciate you saying that part of the story because I, like, what I see right there is the tension of, hey, yeah, God said do it. I wrestled with it, and then we make the decision. But then, you know, like you still took the time for your wife to get on board mm-hmm. and let her have the time to process it instead of just bulldozing. Oh, well, right. I'm in charge. We're doing this. Yeah, or putting up the house right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you really walked through it. And I think so often, you know, people think ob- obedience is just this simplistic right. done. And for sure, mm-hmm. I mean, you start moving in that direction. But like, it's it's right. neat to see. Okay, here's what the actual story looked like. Mm-hmm. And, and as I so learned layers. more and more, in my, <clears throat> as I grew to know the Father's heart more, and he would show me more things, it makes sense because when I think of me being a father, and now I have adult children and they're getting married and things like that, I wouldn't just ask my son to do something that would hurt his wife or hurt his um, you know, girlfriend or whatever it is, his job or whatever. So God wouldn't do that to me either. That's why it's important for me to think I can be obedient, but I need to stay in order. I need to think about and do things in unity with my wife. One of the big things I teach about with with spouses is you can make a lot of wrong decisions and God will still bless you, but as long as you do them unified, as long as you're in agreement together. Because covenant relationship is very important. Another whole teaching we can talk about. But I'm making notes of like future, (laughs) future talks. So just to keep the story going, uh, we left and uh, I tried, we looked at going to California, but in the midst of all that, I kind of had this vision to build a ranch for teens and for drug and alcohol with a school, an accredited school, so that if a teenager had to go to rehab because of drugs or whatever, they wouldn't get the shame of having to leave school, go to this program, and then when they come back, be set back in their grade and now they're behind their friends and all that. They could go to through rehab, stay in school, come out and stay with their friends. They wouldn't have that shame attached to them yeah. being left behind, so to speak. And so for 10 years, I tried to do that when I came here. But that was the vision that made me finally leave United and, and come. And we looked all over the place. And then finally, um, we just came. Chris Hodges was bringing, starting his church here. I loved what he was teaching. And my brother was married to Chris's. Um, sister and he was moving here and I said well let's go to Birmingham yeah Yeah. first time in the military I've been moving all over the place finally be with where my mom is and where my brother is so we moved here in May of 05 and I took a job with um, uh, the vision was build the ranch but I took a job as executive director for Safe Harbor 
and did that for about four years and built that up a little bit. And Safe Harbor's a wonderful program. Let's talk about what Safe Harbor does real quick, just yeah, uh, they, one or two lines. They do a great job. They have a great program for uh, families and parents that are dealing with rebellious teens and struggling with their teens and helping them get through that struggle of that teenage years and, yeah. and all those issues. And it's a, uh, it was great. I loved it. I, all my clothes had Safe Harbor on them and everything. And, uh, and then in 2009, the Lord just said, did I call you here to, to do this? Or did I call you here to build a ranch? Or what did I call you here for? And he basically said, resign and start a ministry called Transformation Ministries. So this is another like United Airlines moment where yeah. it's, hey, we're done. Yeah. It took me four years to get this thing built up, and we were successful, and it was growing in the state, and um, I, I loved it. I love, I still love Safe Harbor, and uh, and then all of a sudden, God said, resign, and so I told the board, and they about all fell out of their seats because I had just recruited half of the board to come be you know on the board, and so it was a hard decision to do, but it was the right thing, and. God actually said, I've taught you so much, Rock, in your life experiences. And the whole purpose for going through half of the things you went through is is now you can bring that story of yours with authority to help others through their struggle. Yeah. And um, he says, now I want you to duplicate that. I want you to train and equip men and women in the body of Christ to be able to do and the things and you know teach and minister and counsel and train others Um, because that's one of the big deals here transformation and i know we haven't really even gotten into everything transformation does but but one of the things you do here is you don't just do the ministry you do ministry i mean i've come into your office multiple times and you're you know hey i'm fixing to go in and do a counseling or Mm -hmm. i'm fixing to go in and do a intensive you know thorough format ministry we'll talk about what those are in another session but like you're doing the ministry, but one of the big things you do here is you equip, like Ephesians four eleven and twelve says, equip the saints right. for the work of ministry. Right. So the the vision the Lord gave me was to do three things. Okay. Was to first of all bring biblical counseling, and it started out just to the addiction world. My I became the Christian addiction specialist here in Birmingham, and a lot of even the Christian counselors would refer hard case addiction issues to me because I just had an understanding. I, I went uh, in my recovery. I went through AA for five years. I went to a meeting every day for five years and I was immersed. God immersed me in AA. I never understood why until I got here because he wanted me to be able to speak the language of AA, but bring in Jesus Christ as the higher power yeah. and blend the two together. And that's what I did for the first um, five or six years. I was here working with uh, the recovery stuff. So I was a counselor for that. So we, First thing we do at Transformation Ministries is to do biblical counseling. And just over the course of time and ex- people that have been coming in and staff, we've that's expanded to where we're basically a biblical pastoral counseling for everything. Marriages and it's not just drug addiction. It's for any kind of crisis kind of thing. Well, And what's really cool about this is so a lot of times people think, well, oh, okay, if it's church-related counseling or spiritual-related counseling, it's probably not credentialed or it may be different but mm-hmm. i mean i know the guy that's coming in right now that's about to lead this area i mean you want to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about him while they're while they're here um but i'm not exactly sure what you're asking me dulce's coming on board. Oh, oh yeah yeah jeff yeah he's coming on board and he's uh, like a phd and accredited and he's written he's got six pages of all his publishings and everything he's done yeah he's got, 
30 years of being a, a, a clinical counselor, but he's a Christian and he's coming on board to take over and help us organize and become the, like the head of our counseling department. So, and I've, I've actually, I'm, I'm going to interview him on your podcast sometime. Yeah. I've actually, I, I took a psych eval a couple of years ago. I thought maybe something was wrong with me and he was the guy that did it, you know? And so when I'm talking yeah. with you a couple months ago and yeah. you say, yeah, we got a new guy coming in to lead the counseling. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, who is it? And you started to tell me the name. I was like, I think, oh, and I described him like, yeah, he's this tender, kind, yeah. grace-filled, but brilliant. Yeah loves the Lord, walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and has all this skill, and they right. all, you know, those those aren't at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. So you've got a robust counseling facet. Right. And he has a ministry are. now that he's involved in that um, deals with the trafficking and the women on the streets and stuff like that and reaching out to them yeah. that he's involved with that and doing a lot of work with that as well. So, I mean, he, and he's going to help us with the healing house vision that's down the road that we'll be talking about. Be thing number four. That's, yeah, that's becoming not number quite four. here. Yeah. Okay. So thing number one, so number one is biblical counseling, counseling okay. okay. For people, for families in crisis. The second thing is to train and equip men, the saints, men and women in the body of Christ to minister to each other, to, to be able to be a pastoral counselor. We're not licensed. We're not trying to be on the clinical side of things. We are bringing the biblical wisdom of the Holy Spirit and our stories. Most people have a story where that's their expertise. It's either in the marriage area or it's in drugs and addiction or it might be in depression or anxiety. They're kind of all, the Lord's been bringing them in and they have a kind of a distinct area that they're good at. and. That's giving us a broad brush of abilities to counsel to just about everything. Well, sometimes it's the thing that you've overcome. And yeah, like Paul absolutely. says, hey, with the comfort that you've received, now right. you can impart that same comfort to others right. so that they can walk through that affliction. Right. First Corinthians chapter 1 just talks, lays that out. That was really what, what was kind of the basis for what we were trying to do with the equipping. But that became the TM School of Ministry. And it started out just being like a 12-week small group where we were going to kind of look at some Elijah House material and, and talk about stuff. And, and, and like 15 people signed up and came. And after we got done with 12 weeks, they go, okay, what's next? And I went, uh, there is no next. I mean, <laughs> that's I, it. I, I don't know, man. I mean, that's all I know. And, and so one thing led to another, and it just developed. And God, over time, just kind of uh, got, brought the right people in. And, and we grew. And, and now we have the two-year, two four-semester um, training that is amazing. But the thing is, is the vision always was, if you think of Transformation Ministries as an umbrella, that is God's umbrella of um, covering for multiple ministries. And my whole thing was, I know that I'm not that smart. I know that I, I can't be everything for everybody. But what I can do is develop a platform where I can bring in the experts in all these different areas and give them a platform to minister off of. So our school model is like a university. Our school started out with just one college, inner healing. That's the four, the which two is now years, four, which, four, different four semesters, yeah. four semesters, two year program. But now we have the Hebraic Institute, which is the messianic side of things, and Jeff Friedlander leads that, and he he brings the Hebraic look and understanding of looking at the Gospels through a through them Jewish eyes and through the Hebraic way versus the Greek way. And I mean, it's just really cool. And that, that college is now growing. So we have the inner healing college. We have the Hebraic Institute and we're now launching this semester, our discipleship school. And that's by Dr. Doug Moore. And he's 
bringing the, okay, now that you've gotten the inner healing, how do I walk out this discipleship? And he's bringing that aspect. And the one that's on the table is family. And the family one is, is because there's so many issues in our culture today with blended families and so many things that Ozzy and Harriet didn't have back in the 50s that they have to face with their kids, grandparenting, becoming parents. Right. Again, all those things. We're, we're developing another whole school on just courses about parenting. and um, But that's the school. And that's the second thing. And the third thing we do is prayer ministry for inner healing and deliverance. And deliverance is a big part of that. Um, and we believe that the gospel, uh, Jesus did three things. I mean, he brought salvation through the gift of forgiveness. He brought um, healing by the power of God. And he brought deliverance. And so we... we model that that's what we do and that this prayer ministry is uh, partnered with restoring the foundations out of nashville and there's a three-hour intensive and a 15-hour and a 21 intensive for couples and it's wonderful and i when i learned it back in 213 2013 i said i can duplicate this i can train people to do this and that became the basis of our prayer ministry um and that's what still is to this day we we do we, we do rtf for yeah, the I think one of the things you've done an incredible job of is, is you know, number one, having a vision for all of these things that, that could happen. And then number two, you know, realizing, OK, I've got the vision for it. I got the idea for it, but I might not have all the pieces or I might not have all the idea. And then giving uh, people the freedom to come here and really add their gift mix to it without controlling it, without dictating right. it, but giving them the freedom. And somehow there, there's this dynamic exchange that occurs where everybody's gifts really become more alive. Right. And so what's going to be cool is we're going to introduce uh, at some point in the future people that are listening to some of these other right. leaders and some of these other teachers that are leading some of these ministries mm -hmm. and kind of get their insight on, on what our, they're doing. Our whole growth came out of the school. We trained and equipped, and many of the graduates from the school came back and became staff members. Here. Yeah, they were leading. And now they're leading and teaching and doing different other things. And, and that was the whole purpose. But we want, we're, we want to send them back into their churches. We're not trying to pull people out of their churches and come here. We're not a church. Because this is not – you don't do no. anything on the weekend. No. Everybody takes we a go break to church. goes to church. <laughs> yeah. So, so I tell pastors, I say, hey, man, we're not a threat to you. We're training equipping to send them back so that you can teach and lead and disciple, and they can do the counseling. They can do the helping so you're not uh, – your office isn't full all the time right. trying to talk to your people in your congregation. And it's worked out great. I mean, we've got churches, all different churches coming here. That That's one of the things I want to talk about in the next episode. It, just to kind of set it up with where I want to go is there. there's this dynamic that you talk about quite often that people come to Christ. And w when they come to Jesus and receive forgiveness of sin and salvation, mm -hmm. their spirit is one with his. Right. But then they still have... Hurts, hang-ups, habits of the past that, in your experience, you walked through mm -hmm. from salvation. Took you a while to clean it all up. Uh, I did the same thing. Salvation, walked through some stuff. And, and if you've got some things there, uh, it, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means, hey, we let's just work through that right. stuff. Like Paul says, right. work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for it, but, let's hey, let's work out these right. things so that you can... Find and fulfill the purpose that God has for you. That's exactly so, right. And uh, so it's it's really the, 
you cannot disciple. I tell pastors this all the time. You cannot disciple a new Christian if they're still totally wounded from their past. You've got to minister to their wounds. Let Jesus heal their hearts, heal their wounds. Then your wisdom as a pastor, you can disciple them forward and as walking right. out their, their salvation. They're walking out their salvation. The big word sanctification. It's just becoming more like Christ, right? Right. Well, those wounds are the walls that keep you from moving any farther forward until you fix the fix the wounds. Get the let, and I don't say we don't fix them. We we are facilitators. We we are good at connecting people to Father God and to Jesus and letting Him. Right. During the healing. Man, that's a great clarification right there. Let's end on that. And when we come back in the next episode, uh, we're going to talk about the new small group curriculum, the new study, Unshackled. I'm going to put this link down in the show notes down below. You mentioned the orphan heart. And I know there's a lesson in Unshackled by that. And so I'm going to put a link down in the show notes. If you're wondering, well, what was Rock talking about? This performance mentality, orphan mentality. We're going to put a link down to where you can watch that video completely free. Log on right there. Anything else you want to sign off and say? Well, I just want to just invite you all to come join the tribe. We we call ourselves the uh, the tribe. <laughs> and uh, we we just love to have people come by and check us out. Man, that's it. All right. We'll talk to you again very soon.